we are going to be in the book of Acts today. We're also going to be in the book of Matthew just a little bit, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38. As you're opening your Bibles to that, um, I want to ask you, okay, who are the good students in the room? Who, who? All right, we got, we got a couple. Um, who are the curve destroyers? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you aren't one. And then who is average and b- the below average student? I wouldn't want to... Uh, okay, some of us want to... All right. Who saw that this week was going to be about being teachable and thought, you know, I wonder if this is a good week to check out my friend's church? <laughs> you know, the, it, teachable is something that we equate with, with our school systems. We equate with grades, we equate with GPAs and majors and minors and, and uh, making the cut in honor societies and, and passing by the skin of our teeth. There are a lot of ideas that go with the idea of being teachable. Um, but today we want to look at what it means to be teachable as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the the mission rollout. We're talking about expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And we're in the, the, the middle right now of the discipleship portion of that. And we've been trying to, dis, to define and cast a vision for what a, a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. And we've had that acronym, FATTER. And we've gone through, the, uh, through F, faithful. We want to be faithfully following Jesus. We want to be going after Him. Last week, we talked about available. That is that we are physically present. We are emotionally present. We are spiritually present. And we talked about um, the story of the, the rich young ruler, but also the story of Samuel. And the fact that Samuel was available And the rich young ruler, despite everything that he had done and all the ways he was available to being uh, a moral and an ethical person, he was unavailable to the words of Jesus in his life and, and went away sad as a result of it. This week, we want to talk about what it means to be a teachable disciple We've talked in the previous week, uh, actually just last week, the fact that we can be faithful, we can be with Jesus, but we can actually be unavailable either emotionally or intellectually or, or, or physically. And this week, I want to suggest that, that disciples, uh, very easily, disciples are teachable. And we want to unpack that a little bit because, well, that's a really easy statement, and it wouldn't make for much of a sermon if I just left it there and we went on to the, to the final hymn. But disciples are teachable, and we want to see what that looks like and, it, and how, to, how we can be teachable and ways that we might not be teachable. And we're going to have two examples again this week. We're going to look in Acts at a funny little story about Philip getting sent south, uh, south of Jerusalem to Gaza, and we're also going to take a look at the story of Peter in Matthew chapter 16, very, very briefly. So, open your Bibles, like I said, to Acts chapter 8. We are going to start in verse 26, and we're going to go through verse 38. So, Acts chapter 8, 
verses 26 through 38. Hear the word of the Lord as I share it with you. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks that it instructs us how we can faithfully follow you. And so we need your Holy Spirit today to open our our eyes to see, to open up our ears to hear, to open up our heart to understand what it is that you have for us. And Lord, then open our wills that they may be bent to yours. Now strengthen my words during this time, for mine are empty, just a vapor in the wind, powerless. But you, O God, you hold the very words of eternal life. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Probably when we think about teachable, this is not the very first story that comes to mind. Like I said, it's a a very strange story. What has gone on here is that persecution has just happened for the first time to the church, and the church in Jerusalem is starting to scatter a bit. The apostles are going each their separate ways, and as they do, the Scripture tells us they bear the name of Jesus with them. They, they witness to the resurrected Jesus wherever they go. And here we get a story about Philip, and Philip, uh, we don't know much about him. What we find out is that he, uh, he goes one direction, and then the Holy Spirit says, Philip, I need you to go a different direction. I need you to go south. And as you're taking the southern road, by the way, take the desert road. It's oddly specific, sort of like reading two days about dogs. It's oddly specific that, that 
he is to take this desert road to the old city of Gaza. Now, the Spirit is wonderfully vague here because he, the Spirit gives a specific road but does not give a specific task. But when Philip is on his way, he is prompted by the Holy Spirit when he sees this chariot. Now, I know what we're thinking about when we're thinking about chariots. We're thinking about Ben-Hur. We are thinking about the Ten Commandments. We're thinking about any picture that we have seen in our world history textbooks. Interestingly enough, the word for chariot can mean what we think of, or it can also mean a carriage. And so this is an ancient carriage. This isn't like that the, the person in the chariot was, was traveling by war chariot. This is probably more like a, a carriage. Think recently the, the coronation of, uh, of uh, Charles. The, the horse-drawn carriage was brought out. And so Philip is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go near to this, this carriage. And who he finds in the carriage is the treasurer for the, the, basically the Ethiopian Empire. Uh, it's a funny little um, distinction here. You know, Rome, as they went around, they conquered various different, different people. Egypt was one of the areas that Rome had conquered. But there was this empire to the south Ethiopian, Nubian is the, the other term you may hear, and they were to the south of Egypt, and Rome couldn't quite conquer them. They were unable to, to get a hold over it, and so they signed a treaty. And so this Ethiopian, this Nubian empire is down there, and it is ruled by queens and kings, primarily queens, and they are known as Candaces. But within the, the royal household, you would have eunuchs who served in various different positions, and one of them would have been the treasurer of the entire empire. So when we look at this person, we're, we're not viewing a servant, we're not viewing someone who is a slave. When Philip comes up to this carriage, this is like the secretary of the treasury is in there. And so he is speaking to someone who has vast amounts of power, vast amount, and a vast amount of wealth at his disposal, and actually has the means to travel by carriage from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Now, mind you, as well, he had a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. You're thinking, well, okay, fine. We take books for granted these days. We can go to any Barnes & Noble. We can go to Amazon. I get annoyed if I'm on Amazon and I pay more than 10 book, bucks for some of my books because I'm like, come on. Someone, someone wants this book and there is someone who bought it who does not want it and you want to offload it to me. And we can get books. And if you take a look at uh, my office, it isn't as impressive as uh, Pastor Jim's was, if you remember his library. But, uh, you know, I'm working on it. It would take you a few. Uh, it would take you a few days to to read through my library. And so, books are not as prevalent during this time, and likely this is a scroll. And how were scrolls produced in that day? Well, you had to actually get the parchment, you had to get it together, and you had to have someone copy the scroll. Has anyone read through the Book of Isaiah? 
few of you. It's not exactly the shortest book in the Bible. It's not the longest, but it's also not the shortest. Someone had to hand copy the book of Isaiah word for word. So it was a difficult, expensive process. I'm setting this up because someone who has great wealth, great power, someone who commands respect, who commands servants, someone who is in charge, often is not the picture of who we have as a teachable person. Often, because, of, because we have to lead, we feel that, that people at the top need to be confident. They need to be self-assured. They need to not let themselves show that they're bleeding, so to speak. And so, they are often people who have a distinct vision and want to run with it in a certain direction. And so, as we take a look at the Ethiopian eunuch, we may not realize that we are taking a look at someone who's eminently teachable. Philip goes up to the chariot, the carriage, as he is instructed to do, and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading out loud. Now, this is something that was common. Uh, Reading out loud was the way that people read in those days. You didn't read silently, you read out loud. And so, Philip would have been able to very easily overhear what he was reading. It's not like he kind of peeked into the window and said, what are you reading? He would have heard this from outside and and would have been visible. And so, he asks this question, and and it's, notice, he doesn't say right off the bat, I can explain this to you, let me tell you. He asks a very genuine question, do you understand what you're reading? He's assessing the situation. And the Ethiopian eunuch responds with the most teachable response that we can see. He says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Now, I want you to think about the amount of humility it must take to have that response to a stranger. How can I unless someone explains it to me? We are talking about a government official, someone who is highly trusted, someone who has wealth and power and status, but also has enough humility to accept his limits. This is the portrait of someone who is eminently teachable and someone who is an effective disciple. It's out of this moment that that Philip is able to help him understand the words of the prophet Isaiah as they relate to Jesus. We don't know exactly what it sounds like, but we know that the Ethiopian eunuch is willing to be heard, or is willing to hear, is willing to hear what Philip has to say. And he even asks questions, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? He doesn't just let it, let it be explained and say, okay, I get it. He's, wait, no, tell me 
more. Help me to understand. And they are traveling along. He invites Philip up into his carriage. They're traveling along, and this conversation is going. And finally, he comes to the point where he says, what is standing in the way for me of me being baptized? Because I hear what you are saying, I see what you are saying, and I want to be a part of that. What is there standing in the way? And Philip says, nothing. There's nothing standing in the way. But the Ethiopian is willing to listen. He's willing to learn. He is willing to be molded and shaped by what he hears. Now, I want us to turn very quickly to Matthew chapter 16. Keep a finger there in Acts chapter 8, and let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. And we are in verse 21. Actually, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. Uh, these couple weeks, I feel like some of these, these characteristics are better if we, if we see both positive and negative examples like we did last week. But here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Peter has just answered the big question, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this wasn't revealed to you by any human being, but by my Father in heaven. That's the only way you can understand who I am. And picking up in verse 21, it says that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And so hearing those glorious words of our Lord and Savior, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter was on a roll. He, had, he knew who Jesus was. He was able to see who Jesus was. And so in response to that, he is blessed because, because that is knowledge that only comes from God. But then once Jesus starts to go off script, when he starts to behave in a way that Peter doesn't respond, Peter says, wait a minute, Lord, I know how this goes. Let me tell you how this Messiah thing works. It isn't the way that you're talking about. Let me inform you. Right then is when you hear the needle scratch, you know, on the turntable. Everyone just kind of looks. Because Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter, mm, you are so good, and yet, mm, we got to work on you. Because Peter wanted to dictate the terms of Jesus' messiahship. He was not teachable in that moment. When he found out who Jesus was, he felt like, I know what is going on here. Not only do I know who you are, I know how this will pan out. Do we ever have thoughts in our lives where we think, you know what, Lord, I know how this is going to pan out, so if you could just do this, 
and make the way clear, that would be fantastic. Lord, if you could just do this so that we can all get to the, to the outcome we know is happening here, everything will be just fine. We pray and we ask for things that are our will, but not necessarily God's will. And, and that's what's happening here with Peter. He's saying, I, I want this thing to go a certain way. And Jesus says, you have no idea how this is going to go. Disciples are teachable, and, and Peter, sadly, is showing us the exact opposite of that. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, you aren't looking at the big picture like I can see it. And so, when it comes to teachability, let me suggest three characteristic qualities that we learn out of these two episodes. First of all, Disciples are teachable, and that means we need to be curious. We need to be curious. Note the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He didn't say, I've got it all together. I, I know what I'm, I'm reading. He says, I don't know, understand what I'm reading. Could you tell me about it, please? Could, and then once he, Philip explains what's going on, he says, could you tell me more, please? I want to know what is going on? You know, we can get a little scared of curiosity. We have the, the phrase that curiosity killed the cat. Uh, but the reality is, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to be curious. Jesus doesn't leave things a mystery, but he wants us to come to him, and he wants us to learn from him. Take my yoke upon you, is what he says. He wants us to learn from Him and, and to see a new way of being. He wants us to, to be curious about the things that make Him joyful. He, we, he wants us to learn from Him the things that breaks His heart so that we can have a mind and a heart and a soul that is patterned after Him. Too often, the, the church is not curious. We feel the pain of decline. We feel the anxiety of decline. And what happens? We get closed off. We don't get curious. We get defensive. But as Jesus engaged this world, He remained open to us. He didn't sacrifice the gospel. He didn't sacrifice godly standards, but he did remain curious about us. The disciples uh, in the beginning of John, as they are called, John's disciples start following Jesus, and he, he doesn't just unload on them, but he says, what is it that you want? In another spot where there's a man who needs to be healed, he says, do you, do you really want to be healed? He gets curious about us and gets underneath the hood, so to speak, and gets us to open up to him. The Ethiopian eunuch is a great example 
of how it doesn't matter what our position is in life, we can remain curious as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. The second item is is somewhat like being curious because these two can't happen apart from one another, is, uh, and that's that we need to be on guard against pride. You know, Peter thought he knew what Messiah was going to look like. He thought he understood the plan of how the Messiah was supposed to, you know, Jesus, here's what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to die at the hands of the Romans. You're actually supposed to conquer the Romans. You're supposed to set us free, and then we're going to rule from Jerusalem, and all the nations are going to bow down to us. And Jesus says, that's not the way it goes. I was there. I, I, I was there when the plan was created. I am the plan. You need to get behind me. Pride can prevent us from having a teachable heart. Pride tells us that, that we know what is going on and you can't instruct me. Pride will, will say that we will appeal to whatever authority we need to, but we are that we have the knowledge to know what is going on and you don't need to tell me. Pride shuts us off from a willing heart. Pride shuts us off from hearing the words of Jesus. Judas also thought he knew the way things should go. Judas thought he needed to to knock Jesus down a couple pegs. Jesus, you're you're letting this thing get a little too out of hand. And let me just let me show you what we're up against. And in the, in the end, he couldn't hear Jesus. In the end, he couldn't hear the grace that came from Jesus, the, the new kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. Who are we going to be like? Are we going to, to be like Peter instructing Jesus what to do? Think about that. He was instructing Jesus. How many times do we try to do that? Or are we going to be like the Ethiopian eunuch and have hearts that that say, you know, I have nothing to lose here by showing that I don't know what's going on. Please, how can I understand, how can I understand this text unless someone tells me? How can I understand who Jesus is unless someone tells me? How can I understand how to live my life as Jesus wants me unless someone guides me? We need to be on our guard against pride. And then related to being curious and being on our guard is keeping a soft heart. We need to keep a soft heart as followers of Jesus, to be teachable. Over time, this becomes harder and harder and harder. Kids, most likely you have a softer heart than we have. 
Because adults, we have been there, we have done that, we have been jaded, we've had the bad boss, we've had the failure, we've had the broken relationship, we've had the, whatever it is that causes the pain in our life that we have shut ourselves off so that we don't get hurt again. And so we, we harden up our hearts and we, we say, you know what, I'm just not going to put myself through that again. Can you think of a time where, where something has gone wrong and you said, never again? I'm not going through that again. Perhaps it was a firing from a job. Perhaps it was a broken relationship. Perhaps it was a backstab from a friend. But it happens and it just, mm, I don't want to ever feel this way again. And so I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. Being teachable means that we still have a soft heart, that we are willing to be molded and shaped by the words of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we look forward to the future because we know that Jesus is there too, and He's going to bring more joy and more understanding to our lives despite the circumstances, and sometimes out of those circumstances. We want to keep a soft heart. I can tell you right now that's a hard thing for pastors. Uh, Barna, uh, and I'm not going to cite the same study that I've cited for umpteen weeks. It's okay. It's a different one. Barna did a lot of tracking about pastors during the pandemic and even into today. And this, at the height, 42% of all pastors according to the sample, considered leaving ministry altogether. 42% of all pastors considered leaving ministry altogether, not changing pulpits, not changing, changing jobs, but saying, I need to go sell insurance or something. 42%. It's down to about 38 36%. Because in the pain of leading, in the pain uh, of trying to navigate difficult waters, in the pain of congregations divided, in the pain of we should be open, in the pain of no, we should not be open, in the pain of, of online, no, not online, no, not in person, not on a parking lot, in a sanctuary, in the pain of all of that, pastors said, I got to protect against this. Pain causes us to, to harden our hearts, especially after if it's repeated and repeated and repeated. So what's the state of your heart? When thinking about the church, when thinking about following Jesus, do you have a soft heart? Are you willing to be led and to, to say, tell me more? I don't quite get it, but I want to. Be curious. Be on guard against pride and keep a soft heart so that we can be teachable 
disciples of Jesus Christ, learning not just of His Word, but of the people around us, how we can serve them just as Jesus did. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You have not left us without example. Lord, thank You that, that You have given us this story about the Ethiopian eunuch, that he, he shows up for one brief passage, teaches us so much, and goes away. Help us to have hearts that reflect His, that are open to Your Word, that are open to Your instruction, that are open to Your Holy Spirit, and are open to this world for which You have died. Make us teachable, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.